Well, good morning. Is it just me or is it a little warm in here? It's a lot warm in here. Whew. All right, good. It's warm outside. We, we didn't get here early enough to set the AC low, low enough. Well, I hope everybody su- survived this little heat wave we've ha- we're having here in May. It's, it's terribly hot and it's hot in here. But that's life. So, that was a terrible thing to say, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know what we can do, but uh, <clears throat> that's what I meant by that's life. We, we will just endure it, and I can promise you this. It's at least 10 degrees hotter right here than it is out there. So, you, you can feel good about that. Well, as Noah said, this is our final sermon in the entire book of Second Peter, and it will be sermon number 14, so we... We use 14 sermons to cover this book. And if you recall, the, the main reason that I chose this book during the pandemic and, and the political upheaval and so forth was so that we could dive into Holy Scripture with Peter, the Apostle Peter, as he counsels and advises this church on very important issues on how to be the saints of God. And calls us to be more captivated with God and His kingdom than anything that happens here on the horizontal level of man. There is a lot going on in the world of men, if you will. But there is a lot more going on in the kingdom of God. And our temptation is to get fixated because of uh, all of the means that we have today with social media, to get fixated... Um, on the marquees that are constantly in our faces and before our eyes of all the different things going on all over the world and in particularly in our country. And forget that there's a God and forget that God has a plan and that God is sovereign over all these things and God is always up to something. Now, we are always up to something. But fortunately, what God is up to has preeminence. And I think that's what Peter does in this book, it helps us to just be captivated with the realm of God and His kingdom. So I'm going to go ahead and read our passage today. It's 15 through 18, the very final verses. You know, you you, you picture Peter writing this letter to this church, and all these guys, they had to figure out, how do I end this? How do I close this? Just like we would if we're texting somebody or writing a note to somebody. And this is how he ends this letter to the church. I'm going to start in 14 just for the context. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And here's our passage. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation, Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. I want to see three things in this passage. And the first thing, the first truth I think that pops out is that God is still gathering his sheep. God is still gathering people into his kingdom. So as we think about being captivated with the kingdom and with God, one truth to focus on is that, as Peter would say, and we'll see Paul as well, that the era that we are literally living in, that we exist in right now, is in redemptive history, could be titled the Age of Salvation. This is an age where God salvation has always been available to man. But not in this way until Christ came and offered himself in a sacrifice. The Old Testament looked forward to this. We look back to this. And this is an unprecedented time where the gates of heaven, if you will, are open for those that would place their faith in Christ. And the reason this is so important is because it is an age, it is an era, it's a time period that will not always be open. So God is a family planner, if you will. And He is still calling people to the table, calling His children into a born-again experience. So the thing that I really like about this passage is that, in a sense, Peter a brother in the Lord who also wrestles with God and Scripture and how to live before Him. Peter, through the wisdom of God, is telling us how to look at time, how to chop time, how to manage time, how to make some kind of sense out of this often senseless world. And the way when we see all these crazy things happen and decisions being made and and people drawing conclusions that, in our opinion, are Absurd and don't make any sense. This makes perfect sense from heaven's perspective. We are presently in the day of salvation. So this, I think, gives needed coherency. No matter what's going on in the world of man, this gives us needed coherency to understand. It gives us something to hang our hat on. And this is important because humankind created in the image of God. We're always looking for meaning. We're always looking for purpose. We're always trying to figure out, how do I fit into this enormous universe? What purpose do I have? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? How can I feel good about myself? What am I supposed to be doing with my emotions? Everybody wrestles. The big thing today is my identity and gender identity. People wrestle, the humanity wrestles deeply with these issues, and we should, and we need to. But we don't want to lose sight of the fact that God has revealed answers to many of the issues that we are dealing with in our culture and our society. So we can make sense out of our senseless world, at least in part, in knowing that what we are to be doing with our lives and the way God looks at it as this is a time where He is doing His work, manifesting Himself in power and might through the proclamation of the Word to bring sheep into the kingdom of eternity that He has planned for us. So I think the big question for every, for every uh, Christian is not so much what's man up to, The bigger question is, what is God up to? 
mean, what, what is God doing? What is on his heart right now? Because we're created to worship him and please him and, and to press in deeply to know him. So this serves us well to understand that no matter what might be on our hearts, this is the age of salvation. And that's how it's categorized, I guess, if you will, in redemptive history. <clears throat> now, we want to make sense of where we've come from and where we're going. And so there are different ways to kind of chop up time and progress and ages and errors. If you look at the College Board uh, has broken history of the world into um, six distinct periods. They'll say we have the foundations and then the class. These are things you, you learned in school. Uh, classical, then the post-classical, and then early modern, and then modern, and then we're in the contemporary age, and some would say uh, beyond that we're in the digital age. Everything is digital. Uh, perhaps you're more familiar with um, Western civilization can be characterized or broken up in periods. We, we've heard of the Dark Ages. There was the era of the Dark Ages, and then we had the Renaissance and uh, the Enlightenment, the Industrial Age. So we're constantly tracking man. We're tracking progress that he has made. We're looking at where he's come from and where he might be headed. But you don't come out with the same outlook unless you look at God's holy word and scripture to know what, okay, man has accomplished this on this level. But we need to understand as believers, God is accomplishing his purposes on the level of heaven. And His will will not be thwarted. His plan will not be broken. And so we, it does us well. It does our hearts and souls good to know this. And to come on board with God's plan. The vertical way of looking at things as far or as opposed to just the horizontal. The horizontal has its place. Absolutely. We can learn from each other. But if we don't have heaven's perspective on what's going on in the world, we don't have anything. We're left to our own opinions, our own sense of value and importance and priority. So as the church of God, we want to look at the world as our great God sees it. And that makes us, of course, witnesses. So if we're in the age of salvation, that means that this is when God is drawing people to himself. He does it through the power of his Holy Spirit, and he does it through his children. Whether it's a radio broadcast, preaching, whether it's family devotion time, he is proclaiming his goodness. And this is the year or the years of salvation. Now, we are an important part of that. Uh, from infancy, the church... Uh, often thought of as birthed in Acts, though saved people have always existed, saved by faith. Abraham is our father of faith. But the church, the, the new thing that God is doing in the world through Christ is proclaiming the message, the gospel of Christ. And we are a crucial part of that. I remember uh, Rich Mullins, the contemporary Christian artist, said, "That's God's. the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. You have God and the Spirit of God through the saints of God to proclaim the age of salvation. That's how important this kingdom's perspective is. Because this door that is open wide, this door of grace, 
Scripture also tells us it's going to close. And our minds like to think, well, it won't close before I get in. Scripture even warns us, don't procrastinate. Because you don't know what day it is. You may think you do. You might feel like, oh, God wouldn't come. Or I'm right on the, on the, on the cusp of, of giving my life to Christ. I want to. I just haven't done it yet. Don't procrastinate. We don't know how many more minutes we have in this world. And we don't know for sure, as Peter has already taught us, when Christ is coming back to redeem His children. And to divide the sheep from the goats. We have access to a lot of things in this world in this stage. I mean, you can just Google. You, you have access to the best financial advice offered to man just by the push of a few buttons today. You have access to, to the best health care the world has ever known. But the most important thing that we have access to in this day and age is Jesus Christ through believing in the message of the good news and the gospel. God has given us access to himself and it's through Jesus Christ. And it's today. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed at that. Now, I'm amazed at what man has accomplished. I am captivated by that. Who can't be captivated by the fact that, that man put... Man on the moon. I mean, that's absurd that we can create something that will projectile our fellow man into space, into this vast universe, and calculate it just so he lands right in this one spot and gets out and walks on the moon. I, I mean, I think it's crazy that in this day and age, some of you have a wristwatch that can tell you anything you need. It'll tell you your pulse, your blood pressure, the latest news, your, your, your body fat mass index or whatever. Things you don't even want to know about yourself. It will tell you, you can get a text. You, I think you can make a phone call. I don't know, maybe not. Probably. James Bond did it. He had one. So, I mean, just on our wrist that we have created such a thing. These are phenomenal uh, works of art and, and progress that we have accomplished by common grace, of course. It's God's goodness through common grace. But it's the special grace. It's the saving grace that should captivate us even more. And I got a feeling when we get to heaven, if the main purpose were here, and the one command that is so clear in Scripture to all of humanity is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. I got a feeling when we get to heaven, we're not going to be captivated with wristwatches. I think we're going to be captivated with how man loved God. I think those are the heroic stories we're going to hear about because that's what gives God glory, is how humanity loved Him. Think about the great spiritual happening, the mysterious happening in the heavens in the book of Job. When Satan, who roams like a lion, wants to take man out and, and keep him away from God. What did God say? Have you considered my servant Job? 
I mean, what is, we're going to hear heroic stories about those that served God and came to conclusions like Job against all gods, against all odds, and false gods. We're going to hear stories about people that have made decisive decisions to follow Christ and keep in the faith in the midst of temptation. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? Look at Abraham. He left all that he knew and a life of paganism, and he followed God. The Scriptures are filled with these stories of how people love God and live their faith out. That's what heaven's going to be filled with because that's what brings God the most glory. Sure, we've heard some great missionary stories in our lifetime, but there's so many more that we don't even know about. Maybe because the missionaries didn't live long enough to tell the glory of God in reaching the lost that have never heard the gospel. We're going to hear them in heaven because that's what brings God glory. That's how we show how much we love Him. By stepping out in obedience in these ways. So we just have to keep in mind that whatever warmth we experience here, heaven's warmth is better. Now, whatever pleasures we experience here, and by God's grace there are many, heaven's pleasures are better. Some of the, the best relationships that we experience here, the relationships in heaven are way better. Feelings of contentment and satisfaction that are few and far between in this world. They never stop in heaven. And whatever moments of genius and creativity that we experience here that propel us forward on this earth, way better. Thinking Our thinking will be way better, way clearer in heaven. And whatever moments of praise and worship and, and congregational singing when sometimes we just get captivated in it, and lift it up way better in heaven. This is just the shadow of what exists as the scriptures talk about the temple and the, and the glory and the gold and the precious metals and, and all of the priestly garments. And I mean, it's the best of the best and yet it's a shadow of what Christ has accomplished for us. This is a day when people who have done the most heinous of sins, the most vilest of things, can find forgiveness and open arms and a river of grace come to me. Because Christ died on the cross for those sins. If we are willing to give them to Him and lay them at the foot of the cross. That's the marvel. And nothing else can forgive man his sins. The reason that I was... The way that God drew me into the kingdom, I've said this many times. And I know that... We, we talk a lot about the love of God, and that's a real thing. I didn't, was not drawn in because I was 
I needed God's love. That's not what was in my face. What was in my face as a young, as a teenager, a young adult, was my sin. I had love in the world. I came from a great family. I had good friends. I wasn't, I wasn't lonely in that sense. But what I had was my sin and I couldn't get rid of my sin. I didn't know what to do with it. And then someone told me about the gospel in a clear way that I could understand. And that what you do with it is you bring it to Christ because it is wrong. And that's why you feel so bad about it. It's yucky. It's poison. It's literally keeping you dead man walking. You give it to Christ. And behold, he forgives the sins. The very sins that I thought, I can't do that. There's too many. Yes, you can. There's no such thing as too much. Because grace is bigger, the Apostle Paul says. It's way more abundant than the most vilest of sins. This is such a unique period in history. Where we can take our stuff to God. The very thing that separates us from God. And he says, actually, I've paid for that. Come on in. And you've heard the expression, something this good can't last forever. Well, this is just a temporary thing. We want to take advantage of it as saved people. We want to share Christ in whatever way we can with, the, with those that need. And we want to continue to be saved. It's a continuous process in the sense of sanctification. We're still learning. We're still learning how to love and give ourselves to God. So we want to be a people in essence that mark our calendars and understand our world from God's view. And count the forbearance of the Lord as salvation. And second, we have Paul's letters. Peter references this. Paul is giving you, and he's writing to the other churches, he says, the same things. It's the same, the same content, the same doctrine. Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him. So as extra insurance, Peter's saying, look, it's just not, this isn't just me. The apostles are talking about it. It's out in all of the letters. Romans 2, 4 through 5. The apostle Paul writes to these people. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Paul is saying, look. It's by God's grace that he is withholding his judgment that is so heavy. He's holding it back because we deserve it if we have not repented of our sin. He's not going to hold it back forever. It's his love, his patience, his kindness, his grace. He wants you in. That's the reason he withholds. So don't take it for granted. Don't be presumptuous, Paul says. So there's this agreement. And then 2 Corinthians 6, we're going to get back into the book of 2 Corinthians uh, after this, actually. And we're not going to be in chapter 6 yet, but we'll get there. And here's what the apostle says in 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you 
not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's now. The doors are open wide. Don't don't presume. Don't procrastinate. This is holy scripture. In fact, we know that this isn't just opinion. It's holy scripture because Peter says in 16, when he's talking about Paul writes about the same things. And he says he writes some things that are hard to understand. I'll talk about that in a second. And people distort them like they do the other scriptures. What does that mean? He is equating Paul's writings with scripture. They twist the Old Testament writings. They're twisting the New Testament writings. So this is authoritative doctrine. This is our rule and practice for life. This is what we're supposed to believe about the world and how to act in it. It's not just a matter of man's interpretation. Remember the doctrine of inspiration. So Peter appeals to himself and the other apostles about the very great and precious promises of the Lord. The Bible is a marvel. The revelation, the things that God has told us are to come. The path that he has set for us, the plan of salvation, it's a marvel. And it is meant for our good. And I know that our culture says the Bible's outdated, it's oppressive, it's misogynist, it's everything that you can think of that's bad. It's holding us back from progress. That is not what Scripture is. It is God's gift to us. It is the only thing that saves us through His Spirit. May we treasure it like the royal treasuries we have in our bulletin of Scripture. John Wesley wrote in the preface preface of his standard sermons, I am a spirit come from God and returning to God, just hovering over a great gulf, till a few moments hence I am no more seen. I drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. He has written it down in a book. Give me that book. At any price, give me that book. The book of God. And then he says, I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be homo unius libre. The man of one book. There's a man who treasures God's word and the way to heaven. Joshua 1.8 Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. John Piper says, the more you read it, the more you will see from the eyes of God. Peter also acknowledges something to the saints that I'm sure you have already realized if you've read your Bible. And he acknowledges that some of Paul's writings are hard. You know, you read through some of his writings, and you're like, what? I, I thought I understood, but what is that? 
And it cracks me up that Peter admits that he has those same moments. I have those moments where you're on the trail and you think you got it figured out. And then Paul throws something in there. He's a deep thinker. He's probably one of the the most educated uh, apostle and writer of the New Testament. It's inspired. And Peter's saying, most of the time I get it, but sometimes I just don't know what's going on there. I remember Elizabeth Elliot used to say to pastors, her advice was keep the hay down where the sheep can reach it. In other words, don't get so far up here that they're they're hungry and they want something to eat, but they can't even reach it. And I thought that was some pretty good advice. I try to accommodate that. But there's a danger, I think. And that is we don't want to make the simple things of God more complicated than they need to be. But neither do we want to take the mysteries of God and oversimplify them. Because that's what twists. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. That's what twists and that's what one of the things that can destroy is when we try to take God's lofty thoughts and make sense out of them so they fit into our way of thinking and we don't let God be God. If you think this through, what we have here is, in essence, the mind of God. Of course there are going to be things in it we don't understand. He's a little more intelligent than we are. And and that slips through. It, It comes through. And so we're going to come across things and scratch our heads. But there's plenty in there that is simple. The gospel is a simple message. J.I. Packer defined the gospel one time as this. Jesus saves sinners. That's the gospel. You don't need a degree to understand that. You just need to understand your sin and know that there's a God to take it to. But John Piper says the continued selection only of what is simple in the Bible, which could be our tendency to stay away from the rest of it, would be a sin in the regular preaching of the church. So therefore, preaching which aims to deliver the whole counsel of God in Scripture and which does not presume to be wiser than the apostles will sometimes be complex and will demand from God's people the utmost in humility and mental effort. He acknowledges it too. You just can't give fluff. You just can't give the same things time and time again. Or scripture says that's that's milk and you got to start on milk, but then you build up and you build up and you build up to deepen your understanding and your knowledge because God's deep. And God will take you out into deep waters to understand him where it's over our heads and we're very vulnerable and comfortable and feeling like I'm going to drown if I can't take a breath on something I am familiar with. God has every right to do that and He does do it. The whole counsel of God. So at New Covenant Fellowship, we you know that I will primarily preach expository sermons. That is, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. One of the reasons, the main reason, is so that we have the whole counsel of God. I can't just come to a, a, a section of Scripture where God has spoken to man and say, well, I'm not talking about that. Or I'm not talking about this. I'm avoid that. They won't want that. I'll get that frozen, frozen fish stare from the congregation if I preach about this stuff. 
But it, it, it doesn't allow me to escape that. It's the whole, if God has said it, we need to hear it. And I'm not saying we've got to spend forever on the book of Leviticus or something. That would be frozen fish. But we need to breach it because this is God's gift. We need to understand and press ourselves into it. And uh, that's, my per, that's my conviction. And I, I believe the best way that I can love you as a pastor is to proclaim God's word, is to, to offer you God's word. That's the calling. That's what pastor, pastors do. They pro, preach or proclaim or teach God's word. And I think that is the absolute most powerful thing that I can offer this congregation is to give you God's word. I think it's better than anything else, any other kind of service project or whatever. All the things are helpful, but I think what I know what I thrive on is when I meet with God and I understand God. That's how I grow. And so that's what's behind a lot of my personal conviction about this. Then lastly, we have a two-way player. I won't spend a lot of time on this. But let's just close it with understanding our position in the day of salvation. So there are some things in verse 16 that are hard to understand in Paul's writings, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, we already know it, I've warned you, you know it happens every day, Take care that you are not carried away with the air of lawless people and lose your own stability. There you have it again. So as believers, uh, so in sports, they have what is called a two-way player. And it's a person that is good on offense and you can also play them on defense. They, they, can, they can do both well. And we as believers need to be able to do both well. It's a message of Scripture. You can't just lose yourself in God and forget that you are in a fallen world. And you can't just lose God and fixate yourself on the fallen world that you are in. So Peter says you've you got to take care. You've got to keep your eye on both things. And that right in the back. That's right. In order to know and grow in Christ. Scripture being twisted. So we have to know that all the things that we read that come across our, our screen or whatever, we got to have to learn how to discern these things. Offense and de- defense so that we grow. One of the reasons that Peter talked about such a strict judgment for those that preach and teach the Word of God is because you, you, you're handling, when you have the Word of God, you are handling life and death material. You talk about dangerous viruses that can wipe people out. You're handling life and death stuff. And people need to hear the truth. And it needs to be accurately communicated. And so when we blow up Peter, I think it was Peter said, it would be better for you to not even been born, basically than to have gotten this close to God and understand and then twist things so that you're actually keeping people out of the kingdom instead of drawing people in. So his final words, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. So as he's thinking about how do I end this letter, I've, I've touched on this and I've touched on that. That's our theme. That's our theme, the main reason he wrote this book. It's dangerous out there in the world. We can't be naive. 
And we can't be complacent. We have to press in to know God. That is his heart. Grow in grace and knowledge. One commenter said, Grace is what we crave when we are guilt-laden. Grace is what we must have when we come to die. Grace is our only ray of hope when the future darkness darkens over with storm clouds of fear. It was my greatest prayer that as we pilgrim through this world, not knowing what we're going to read about in tomorrow's headlines, what's going to be up, what's going to be down, who's gotten canceled, whatever. My greatest prayer is that we as the people of God, this kingdom outpost, people that are trying to build on the rock, would just remain absolutely more captivated with God and His kingdom, what He's thinking, what He's doing, the the open door of grace than anything else on the horizontal level. The Spirit is convicting souls in this age of salvation. The Son is drawing children to the Father in this age of salvation. The door of grace is open wide in this age of salvation. Let us see the world as God sees His world and grow and grow and grow until He returns and enters us into the next heir of redemptive history. May God bless the preaching of His Word.